preached through this book of, uh, even two years ago. And so here, Hosea 6, chapter 6. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they like men have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me. Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. And as troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way by consent, for they commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is whoredom in Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also, O Judah, he has set a harvest for thee when I returned the captivity of my people. Take note especially verse 6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Now let's go to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, 10 through 13. Actually, I'm going to read a little bit more than that. I'll just read that. So let us read. I will read this. And if you would follow. Matthew 9. 9. I did want to include more than just what I put in the bulletin. So beginning at verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto him, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, how thankful we are for your holy word. How thankful we are for its warnings and its entreaties, for its light, especially its light upon our true and fallen condition and its light upon the remedy for the same. O Lord, there is hope. There is hope for you are speaking as you spoke to your covenant people then so you are speaking to your covenant people now and you're calling them to repent 
that, Lord, if they do not, they will perish. And indeed, O oh Lord, those are the terms. Those are the conditions. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, work that in us, we pray, even through a story, an account of your ministry and of your example of showing mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I will have mercy, said our Lord. Jesus Christ has mercy on sinners. Let's not forget that. Verse 9, he called Matthew. Matthew is a publican. The word publican is a term that speaks of one who is a collector of taxes or of tribute for the Roman government the Roman Empire, which was their enemy, which was occupying their land, just as countries that are colonized by the British and by the Spanish and by the Portuguese since, like in my country that I fare from and my wife. He was despised because often he would be tempted and would, in fact, extort the people for personal gain. We call that under the table back in the Philippines. And you almost cannot get anything done with regard to the government, like getting a visa to be a church worker in the Philippines without doing that. You may, you may protest all you want. The churches there cannot operate and get their needed legal forms, documents, to be uh, verified churches without going to the government and having to deal with that on a yearly basis. This was what was happening in Palestine. Now another fellow like Matthew that I would turn you to is Zacchaeus in Luke 19 and it's told about their serendipitous practices. So, so turn to Luke chapter 19. Although I'm, I'm tempted to read the whole passage one, or verses 1 to 10, I won't. But verse 8 Reads, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And the truth is, is that he did. He, he did, and that is why this admission, which would make him a thief, and moreover, a traitor to his country. For the Romans were their enemies. Christ entertained the company of such ill repute as this Matthew. And in verse 10, he was invited to his house, which he obliged. And behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Oh, that those that we minister to would invite us into their homes and such a thing would happen that more would come to know Jesus Christ. 
The sinners are harlots and prostitutes. That's what the word sinners is in reference to. Those of the street, those of the night. The women, even as the publicans were, for the most part, as far as I know, all men. Perhaps like the Pharisees, you too may wonder why Jesus did this. After all, if you were to be about building a church, are these the type of individuals that you would want to start your church out with? Maybe later down the road when your church is already established and maybe there's someone who has a heart for the homeless, let's say, or for those that are on the street. Human logic tells you Jesus is not helping his reputation one iota, at least as far as some are concerned, even those that are the leaders and the teachers of the church. In fact, the bona fide teachers, masters, they are called, masters of Israel, rabbis, they were called, raised the point, didn't they? says in verse 11, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? The Pharisees thereby unwittingly provided the moral lesson for Christ in his school because he was about teaching and discipling men for the kingdom. In Middle Eastern culture, like, like most, actually, not, not only there, like even here, eating is... Uh, 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 an invitation of friends to join you to fellowship with you and yet you can hear in the background the Pharisees murmuring among themselves even as is indicated in Luke 19 7 he has gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner now, again, you have to understand that the thinking here is that this is someone who is of a heinous, sinful condition. Someone, someone like, like the harlots and the prostitutes I spoke about earlier. And not the generic term for sinners, such as, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when, when you cut through the mustard, when you cut to the bottom, is it not the same thing? That when you speak of, of any sin? Because sin is against God. So there really is no difference regardless of whether it is a sinful lifestyle that we're talking about or the sin committed by a believer. Such as in our judging our brethren such as in our loving Christ's church, as Christ loved his church and gave himself for it. How shocking this must have been for the Pharisees. This is, it was probably something that was remarkable, that this one whom they deemed to be from God, even Christ, would eat with, with the likes of us, as sinners and as publicans? Our Christ retorted in verse 12, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. 
Pharisees thought that they were well, religiously well and whole, that they were right with God, that they served God. But the outcasts, the publicans and the sinners knew that they were not. That's why they came to the Savior, because they knew they needed help. And they saw in him someone who was willing to help. We have in Christ a high priest who was holy and harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens, the Bible says, but also one who is willing to save to the uttermost those who came unto him, seeing, came unto God, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Our Lord says to them in verse 13, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. In other words, here's something you should have already known, but obviously you haven't learned. There's a difference between knowing and learning. The Bible speaks of those who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it shows. It's telltale in the life. The root is seen in the fruit. If you have bad roots, guess what? You have bad and corrupt fruit. And vice versa. If you have good roots, you will have good fruit. And that by the grace of God. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. He wasn't trying to say that the, that the sacrificial system of Israel, which was ordained by God, is unnecessary. Far from it. He is saying that without mercy, without the right disposition inwardly, and fulfilling the requirements for worship, it is really for nothing. Prophet Micah said, you can offer thousands of rams, ten thousands of rivers of oil, all things that were part of sacrifice in the old covenant times, and covenant Israel. And give your firstborn for your transgression, the fruit of your body, for the sin of your soul. It won't be enough. It will not be enough. And why? Because the one essential ingredient of all is missing. You know, ladies, what it's like to leave out an essential ingredient like eggs or milk or flour, any one of those when you're making bread, let's say. The one most essential ingredient, not saying that the rest are not important, but the one missing ingredient is love. The Pharisees focused on the outward rituals and ceremonial requirements of God's law to the neglect of the inward, spiritual, and eternal and moral aspect of the same. Summarizing the great commandment, you know the great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy might. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All the other commandments, all the Ten Commandments and above or below are, in, 
are literally based upon this one great commandment of law. And as a result, what happens when, when this is not in place in your heart, when this is not in your heart, when something else is in your heart, by the way, if you don't have this, other things come in. Other things far more terrible than what, say, were your sins before, <coughs> such as righteousness and judgmentalism and being merciless, being uncaring, being unloving, were the very ones that we should be loving towards, such as our family members, such as our brethren. And so the result is that they become self-righteous and proud and arrogant people. This was the root of the problem, as our Lord put it in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. This is the root of the problem in his own words. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. This did not come from, from God's commandments. This did not come from the Bible. This did not come from Christ. This came from somewhere else. According to Christ, it came from their very doctrines and commandments, their very rules and regulations that oftentimes result from those who have a bad heart or an unloving heart. And then it grows from there and goes from there. But this is why Christ came. As he said to the religious leaders when he met Zacchaeus as he came down from that tree which was overlooking the path where the parade was passing through there at Jericho. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That is why he is here. That is why he has come. That is why he is in the house of Matthew right now. He wasn't just someone who was in communication through telephone or through text or through email or virtually, through Zoom. He was not someone who simply sent a letter to this person, but never met him. You know, there's something to be said about face-to-face. When we meet with God in worship, we are coming face to face with the living God. He says, as our Lord does, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I will have mercy, not sacrifice, for I'm come not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. That is the nature of the work of a physician if he is to heal his patients. He has to come to them. He has to touch them. 
He has to touch their lives, the lives of sinners, in order to deal with the disease of their souls. And yet Jesus does so without getting contaminated himself. However, take note that in due time, he would take on himself the iniquity of us all. Such as what he said, what was said of him in Isaiah 53, he's despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and he esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. It would become sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Truly, truly, he is the great physician. And not only that, his healing is the great antidote for sin, even his precious blood. Like the Pharisees, we notice how bad off other sinners are. And yet our tendency is not to be involved with them, right? We're busy with our lives. It's hard to come out of our comfort zone. Could it be, though, also, perhaps, deep down inside, we all suffer from the same thing as what the Pharisees did? Self-righteousness, pride, looking down our noses on others. Something for, for each one of us to ask especially those that we differ with in any way or in all the uh, ways that I'll mention now in age and nationality and custom and culture, social and economic background, educational background and the like. And particularly when we will have a run-on with somebody, with one of them, like the Pharisee did with our Lord. And do not especially in the church, and do not apply Matthew 18. What is Matthew 18? Matthew 18 is what Christ gives as the solution for interpersonal problems and interruptions in our relationships. Your brother sins against you, you go to him privately, and you tell his fault between you and him alone. And when he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he doesn't hear you, go with another witness. And that witness is not someone who's there uh, initially, especially to read in the right act, but someone who is there with a broken and contrite heart himself over his own sins, who really realizes that he must take the, the, the beam out of his own eye before he can see clearly to take the mote out of his brothers. And so that's the one you want to bring, someone that is mutually received and honored and respected for his maturity. And so when you do that, you're showing that person that you really are concerned for him and not just for yourself. And, th and that when you do that, you're really looking for a win-win situation for all involved and not just for yourself. You see, Matthew 18 is key. And in fact, in our Constitution, if in seeking to 
adjudicate in matters of church discipline, if we don't use Matthew 18, then we are at fault. Even we who are the aggrieved or victim party. For we have not done what God has told us. We have not done what Christ has given to us as the injunction and the means of reconciliation by which he is going to work. He's going to work because you are, you are, you are going in a humble and contrite spirit as a servant of the Lord and in no other way. Stop worshiping me and go and find that brother or that sister and get reconciled and then come back and offer your gift upon the altar, said Jesus. Amos 5, 21 through 24. So we are closing passage, yes. Amos, another minor prophet that is out of the way. Find it. You believe I haven't found it. <laughs> Jonah, Micah, Nehemiah, back up. Zechariah, Malachi. I know all, almost all of them, except I've lost Amos. But I have it here, so I'm going to read it for you. If you haven't, read, read it with me. Amos 5, 21 through 24. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies, meaning the incense that is the representative of the sweet-smelling aroma of Christ was offered upon the cross. Though you offered me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, your hymns, and your praises. For I will not hear the melodies of the viols. But let judgment run down as waters, and righteousness as a mighty stream. And wash that all away. Then... I will receive your worship. You know there's such a thing as God not receiving our worship? For example, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, my heart be acceptable in thy sight, the Lord my strength and my redeemer. I pray that the Lord would not turn his back upon our worship, nor turn his face away from us. Is this you? Is this me? We must always come back to that perennial question of applying this to ourselves. But go ye and learn what that meaneth, the Lord says, not just to the Pharisees, but to everyone, especially those who have been sitting under my word for a time, but have little applied the message of my gospel. To, my own, to your own heart. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, 
but sinners to repentance. Those who are righteous don't need me, don't think that they are in need of me, but only those who need a great physician. And then, secondly, after you've heeded the warning to go to the scriptures, as it were, to revisit the word of God, especially in the scriptures that I've brought before you to your consideration, for your consideration. Then our Lord says this, come back to me. He says, for example, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, this is the last one. I'd ask you to read it with me. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christ is coming or calling us to come to him, to join him, to become his disciple become a learner at his feet, like his disciples of yore. He is saying for us to take the yoke that represents the burden of the gospel, of living the Christian life. It's not an easy life. It's a laborious one many times. But keep in mind that you're not alone, that underneath the other yoke is the, your yoke fellow, who is Jesus Christ, who is enabling you to carry your end as well as his own, by his Holy Spirit, so that in the end, you will find that rest from the laborious struggle we have with our own sinful natures, with Satan, and with the world. Praise be to God for his unspeakable Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father, may these words indeed ring loud and clear and hit home like that arrow that hits the target. Because Lord, finally we will need to meet the requirements of the law. And sadly, Lord, we fall far, far short. If we think that outwardly we accomplish that, then we have also to consider inwardly how often it is not out of the right motive Lord, help us as we are desperately in need of help. And Lord, there's not a moment that we can live without you. And so ask that you would even be with us now in this message. And as we go home, as we carry this uh, personally and also in our families and Lord with others into the highways and byways of, of life, being that light that we are called to be for Jesus Christ. And so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And this we ask and pray in your name, Lord Jesus.